This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and have been able to enjoy the sunshine in Kent on Tuesday, June the 14th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Details you need to know about a strawberry moon coming up, plus a really interesting chat about gambling and football. But first today, the Prime Minister has again defended a decision to send asylum seekers who've crossed the channel to Kent in small boats to Rwanda. They are, uh, I'm afraid, uh, undermining everything that we're trying to do to support safe and legal routes uh, for people to come to the UK and to oppose the illegal and dangerous routes. The first flight is due to leave tonight. Up to seven people are expected to be on board, although at the time of recording today's podcast, a number of appeals are still going through the courts. The policy, as you may have already heard, has been hugely controversial, and today the Archbishop of Canterbury, along with 25 bishops, called it immoral. Jane Ozan is a member of the Church of England's ruling body. Of course we need to punish those who are seeking to traffic and and profiteer. But that is not who this policy is going to impact. It's going to impact the very people we should be protecting. Well, channel crossings appear to be continuing despite this new policy, with almost 250 people arriving in Kent over the past two days. It means a total of more than 10,300 have made the dangerous journey in small boats in the first half of this year. Finally, on this today, we can hear from Bridget Chapman from the Kent Refugee Action Network. She's been chatting to Jamie. We believe that um, under the Geneva Convention people have a right to seek asylum if they have a well-founded fear of persecution that and it's been tested in a court of law if that can be a country of their choice and it was decided that it can very few people actually come to the UK to seek asylum compared to other countries in Europe but those that do have made a choice to come here because they've got some kind of connection to the UK We think the government is breaking the law by sending people to Rwanda. So we don't think it should go ahead. And I want to come on to those legal challenges in in just a moment. But obviously, you know, the government says that they want to use this policy to deter people from crossing the channel. Uh, More than 10,000 people making that journey so far this year. So do you think this is just a quick reaction, the easiest option for the government uh, that they find themselves in at the moment? I don't think this is going to deter anybody. And we've seen that since the government announced this policy, it hasn't really had any effect on the numbers making this channel crossing. I think we could all agree that none of us want people risking their lives in the busiest shipping lane in the world in unsuitable small boats. That has to stop. The way to do that is to give people better options. We would suggest giving people humanitarian visas, as has been done with refugees from Ukraine. You don't see anybody from the Ukraine getting into a dinghy. So that's what we'd suggest as a solution to the problem. And just tell me a little bit about who who is going to be affected. Obviously, we hear a lot about those crossing the channel in small boats, but it's not just them who, who could be impacted by this policy, is it? Well, the whole refugee and migrant community is affected in some way. I mean, we're seeing, although this policy is not supposed to affect children, people under the age of 18, we're worried that people under the age of 18 may get age assessed as older and sent to Rwanda. 
And those young people that we work with, it has a really negative impact on their mental health because they are worried about the future. They're worried about what's going to happen to them when they turn 18. And I've spoken to people who've been in the country for quite a long time, but who feel this sends the message out quite clearly that they're not wanted. So I think in a way it impacts very strongly on community cohesion. And, and that's really sad and really dangerous. What are some of the risks for people who are, who are sent over on those planes? I don't know if people understand this, but if we send people to Rwanda, this country is still responsible for them. So we've got to guarantee their safeguarding in Rwanda. It's very difficult to do that remotely for a start. And it's, and it's much more expensive to do it remotely than it is to do it here. Um, we are very concerned about a number of the people we work with are LGBT and Rwanda doesn't have a strong um, reputation for protecting LGBT rights. So there are all sorts of, of issues that will affect people being sent there. You know, it's just, it's the wrong idea and it's, it's not going to work. I actually think it's extremely unlikely that anybody will get sent there. Um, but I think the government is determined to try and make it happen if they can. And I think that's a real shame because I think it's breaking the law. Well, Bridget, as you might have worked out, was speaking before appeals were finalised and ahead of tonight's first flight taking off. You can get the very latest on this story by heading to Kent Online. Whilst you're on the site today, you can also read about this issue in depth. We look closely at the Rwanda policy, what the backlash has been, what else has been suggested in the past as a deterrent and indeed who is coming here and why. You can also hear about this story by tuning into bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM. Kent Online News. This is one of our most read stories today, and it's pretty shocking. A bus company has stopped running on a school route in Tenterden after bullying led to a child's hair nearly being set on fire. Staff on the 294 and 295 Hams Travel Service to Homewood School say they've also received abuse from parents. Well, the firm says it was also no longer financially viable, and the school have told us they're disappointed and hope an alternative provider can be found. There are lots of comments on this story about the behaviour of young people you can join the debate by heading to the website. Three teenagers have been arrested after £10,000 worth of cosmetics were stolen from a shop in Sevenoaks. Boots on the High Street was targeted on Sunday afternoon and the suspects were tracked down by police within an hour. A 15-year-old boy and two girls aged 14 and 17 have been charged and are due in court next month. A wreath has been laid at the Memorial Arch in Folkestone to mark the 40th anniversary of the end of the Falklands War. The conflict between Argentina and the UK in 1982 lasted 10 weeks. 255 British soldiers were killed and almost 800 wounded. Firefighters in Kent are expected to mark the fifth anniversary of the Grenfell Tower disaster later by taking part in a silent walk. 72 people died when a fire swept through the high-rise in the North Kensington part of London. Their names have been read out at a service today and the Archbishop of Canterbury says he's praying for solutions to the injustice of unsafe housing. Well, tonight's walk will also remember those who lost their lives and show solidarity to the community who are still recovering. Now, next today, we're going to be hearing about why a Kent football club has joined a call to ban all gambling advertising and sponsorship within the game. 
Tunbridge Angels are giving their support to the Big Step campaign, which is being led by people whose lives have been affected by it or who might have even lost a loved one. It's estimated more than 400 people take their own lives each year in England after getting into gambling debt. James Grimes set up the campaign and has been telling me his story. I was 16, 17 years old, just as all of a sudden in this country, gambling, advertising and sponsorship, especially in football, was allowed. And I placed my first football bet at 16. And I didn't know at that point placing a £5 bet on football would end up in a in a 12-year addiction. And I look back now and, and I think football failed me. I, I trusted football. I trusted the messages that it told me. And it told me to gamble and that facilitated years of addiction. Um, and that's why I came up with the idea of the big step alongside Gambling With Lives, uh, who are a, a community of families bereaved by gambling suicides. And originally, hence the name, uh, the big step, we, we walk to football clubs that have gambling sponsors or partners to try and get them to review their relationship with gambling companies um, as time's gone on, what we've actually realised is, although there are some really good examples of lower league clubs saying no to this, on the whole, the bigger clubs, they continue to promote gambling in front of their young fans, something that takes hundreds of lives every year. Um, and football really isn't listening that much. So we've turned it into a full-time campaign to end all gambling, advertising and sponsorship in football. Looking at the stats as far as the, the deaths were concerned really shocks me actually as to how many people are taking their lives. How bad did it get for you? Were you able to let us know how much money you were losing and what sort of things you were betting on and how much you were betting? Gambling addiction is, is an overwhelming condition and it consumed every day of my life for, for 12 years. It was the thir- first thing that I thought about when I woke up and it was sadly the last thing I thought about when I went to bed. And there were some times where I went to bed and I didn't want to wake up because gambling had t- taken me to that mental state the, the way i can describe it is that you you lose you don't just lose money but you lose who you are you turn into something you never thought you would ever become because all you're all you're interested in doing is getting this next bet on getting this next fix it's not about the money it's not about winning money because there were times where i did win money but I, but it, it didn't matter because i could have won a million pounds when you're addicted you, the money is just purely a fuel to keep getting that thing that your brain needs. And your brain has been hijacked, hijacked by an industry that makes £14 billion a year by mass promotion of products that are designed to cause addiction. It's not entirely the fault of someone for becoming addicted to addictive products. And, and the, the outcome of this, the consequence of this, is sadly so many young lives being taken by gambling. I myself contemplated suicide i haven't met one recovering gambler i don't think that didn't get to that point many i know have attempted it and of course hundreds sadly do take their lives and the it leaves families behind that are, are broken obviously and bereaved but now have come together to form gambling with lives to campaign for change because something that takes a public health england estimated 409 lives every year that should not be promoted and especially should not be promoted in a sport like football, which is adored by millions of children. We've seen how many clubs you've got on board, but I should think for an awful lot of clubs, the amount of money that they can get from these companies is vast and that's going to really prop them up as a club or, you know, it means that they can pay their players even more money every week. I mean, how do you kind of break down that 
that relationship then and, and how do you encourage the football clubs not to take that cash? Um, 60% of gambling industry profits come from just the 5% of customers that are addicted or at risk. So this is not a healthy, sustainable way to fund football. And we can point to a lot of the examples across the lower leagues that are evidently surviving and thriving without gambling advertising revenues. I think a recent report suggested that if you removed gambling sponsorship from football and replaced it, because of course it would be replaced, it'd be the equivalent of a 2.5% cut in revenues. And, you know, there are broader questions about the money involved in football. Football will be fine without gambling advertising revenues. It was fine before it. And football clubs spend all the money they get anyway. So if they get a little bit less, then well, they just have to spend a little bit less. And the, the benefit of that would be every young fan in this country can go to a game without being encouraged to do something which is inherently risky and cause addiction and sometimes even suicide. I think 20, 30 years ago, gambling was available, legitimate. People were able to do it if they wanted to, but it wasn't shoved in people's faces. I think we have the same thing now with smoking. If adults want to smoke, I wholeheartedly support their right to do, do so as much as I do their right to gamble. But you shouldn't be encouraging that in front of young people. And for people that have been harmed by those products, they shouldn't have to be encouraged. There. I could... Reality is I could open up my emails right now and there will be three emails in, on there. One saying, here's 100 free, free spins on an online slot machine. Here's an advert for another casino. That's not, that's not normal. We, we live in a society where gambling is completely normalized, glamorized and promoted 24-7. That's not normal. It's not safe. And we need to return to that point of unstimulated demand, a.k.a. if people want to uh, gamble, they should be able to but not encouraged to do so. Because Tunbridge Angels have signed up to support your campaign, I believe you're going to be working with them, aren't you, and actually helping to educate young people as well before they start to see these messages. Yeah, that, it, we're really excited. Um, the, the club are a fantastic example. They're a real community club, and they've been great since we've got in touch with them. And um, So it's not just about a tokenistic support for the campaign, as, as important as that is. We also want to develop that uh, in sending the right messages out to, to young people in their community and we we have an education program that we're piloting at the moment and we we don't go into schools and to sports clubs and tell kids don't gamble because they wouldn't listen anyway but what we do do is give as much information as possible about the products the practices the industry itself the environment and use our lived experience and to, to say, look, I didn't think at 16 I was be going to become addicted to gambling. I didn't choose to become addicted. The, the key message for us is when you have addictive products that are promoted everywhere you look, anyone can get addicted to gambling. And that's, I think that's a really important message for young people. A really interesting chat with James there. And as he mentioned at the end, as part of Tunbridge Angels getting involved, an education programme will be delivered at the ground in a bid to stop young people from getting into trouble. Well, our sister radio station, KMFM, have been asking in a Twitter poll today if you think gambling advertising and sponsorship in football should be banned. Well, so far, 88% of you say yes, with 12% saying no. You can still have a say by voting. Just search for KMFM News on socials. So let's hear from the club itself now. Abby has been chatting to Dave Netherstreet, who's the chairman. Football is intrinsically linked with gambling companies. Um, we're in the National League and we've got the National Lottery and Red 32, I think it is, or 32 Red, I'm sorry, one of the two, um, who sponsor the league. Um, so yes, it could be hypocritical to say that, but... I think we are all aware of 
many lives that have been ruined. It's not only the gamblers' lives, but their families by this incessant advertising that you're going to get rich quick, which is is complete mis, misconception. Um, I mean, I've gambled. I've done the lottery. I've done the pools. I've been to Las Vegas. And I'm not sitting here multi-multi-millionaire. So it's it's a very, very long shot if you are going to win. What do you hope will change from, from this ban? I think it's just making people aware that, that gambling is not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, we, we as a football club operate uh, golden goals or 50-50, but it, it's not this uh, continual pressure on people to gamble. Um, you watch any football match on television and it, it, all the adverts uh, are betting. I'll say all of them, sorry, but a lot of them are betting. And it gets you into the, the, the mindset that football is intrinsically linked with, with gambling. It's a bit like we used to be, um, sport used to be intrinsically linked with um, the tobacco industry. So it's, we're just replacing one with another. So obviously we have gambling advertisement in football for a reason. It, it provides income to the football clubs. So will some clubs suffer from, um, will they have any financial loss with, without the support and sponsor from gambling um, companies? It's very difficult because if you take the money away from these clubs, a lot of them will lose their money, lose their status and they'll have to find something else. It, it, it's a massive, massive deal for these clubs. I, I don't know what the sponsorship for these premiership or the championship clubs are, but it runs into the millions. So they've got to find another source for that income. Yeah, it, it will hurt clubs, but I say responsible gambling, fine. You only gamble what you can afford to lose. Irresponsible gambling is, is a killer because you're always chasing the dream. And the dream often turns into a nightmare. We also approached the Gambling Commission for a statement. We haven't heard from them yet, but if we do, we will, of course, bring that to you. We'd still love to know what you think on this. You can send comments as well to news at thekmgroup.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A Kent nightclub's been told it must use an ID scanner for people who look under 30 and have at least five members of staff wearing a body camera. Casino rooms in Rochester have had a review of their licence after police raised concerns about fights there and staff not helping a man with a broken leg. The club also now have to place two door supervisors in front of the premises before closing time. Police have given us CCTV of a man they want to speak to about a sex assault in Ashford. A woman was attacked at a property in the King's North part of the town last month. You can see the pictures by heading to Kent Online. Unemployment figures are out today and they show that it's still dropping in Kent. However, soaring inflation is outstripping wage rises as the cost of living crisis continues. Latest figures show just over 40,400 people were claiming out-of-work benefits last month. That's down about 1,000 compared to in April. However, across the country, there are a record record 1.3 million job vacancies and average pay has fallen 3% in real terms since February. Now, loads of you have been commenting on this story today. Customers in Maidstone.
Maidstone aren't happy after the number of manned checkouts at a supermarket was cut from 26 to just four. Sainsbury's in Romney Place has increased the number of automated self-service checkouts, leading to complaints to our reporter and also on Facebook. Well, Lynn Brownson, first up, she's a retired care worker and she shops at the store once a week. She says, I don't like them. They keep going wrong and I have to wait for someone to come and fix it again for me. If you move a bag, it goes wrong. I think they should stop it. Roger Pinder has added, I had a bit of trouble with it. I didn't know if I'd paid or not with my card. Matthew Scott has said, I hate them. If you buy most kinds of medicine, alcohol or any age-restricted item, you need it approving. Now, whilst this is the same at a normal checkout, it's all done at the end. With self-checkouts, you're always waiting because they have one member of staff trying to manage 12 tills, not to mention every other item making the scales freak out. However, not everyone is opposed to the changes. Anita says, I personally think it's much needed. Self-scan or smart shop is the only way I've been doing my shopping for ages now. It's a lot quicker and cheaper to use smart shop too. It's brilliant. Well, we've been in touch with bosses at Sainsbury's and this is what they've had to say. We regularly review the services available in our stores to make sure we offer the most convenient experience to our customers. We have slightly increased the number of self-service checkouts at our Maidstone store so that we can meet customer demand for this service. Our colleagues are on hand to help anyone who may need support using them and we continue to offer manned checkouts for our customers who wish to use them. We've also got a poll running within this story. It's asking this question. Do you prefer self-checkouts at supermarkets to the manned tills? So far, 23% of you are saying yes, they're a much better shopping experience, while the vast majority, 77%, say no, I would rather speak to a person. Interesting one there. And here's a bit of fact for you. The first self-checkout machines were designed and patented way back in the 1990s and became popular in the early 2000s, with Tesco introducing them in 2003. You can still comment within that story or take part in the poll by voting. Just head to Kent Online. Kent Online report. A truck driver from Sheppey has been ordered to pay more than £20,000 for obstructing a large-scale fly-tipping investigation. Rubbish was found dumped on private land in the Gravesend area last October. Philip Rumsey gave false details to officers and failed to turn up to court. The 56-year-old from Plough Road in Minster was found guilty in his absence. A suspected rogue trader has been arrested after a resident in Thanet paid a cold caller more than £1,600 for unnecessary work. The victim in Westgate had reportedly been told it would cover the cost of repairing a roof tile. Officers detained a 25-year-old from West Sussex who's also accused of a similar offence in Sandwich. Concerns have been raised about government-led plans to temporarily host secondary pupils at a primary school in Medway. Plans to build Maritime Academy in Strood were approved last September, although building work hasn't started yet. Well, in the meantime, students will be taught in Twiddle from September, but councillors are worried it'll put an unnecessary burden on parents and pupils. We've been told that CCTV is going to be installed around Rochester Cathedral to try and stop vandalism and antisocial behaviour. It's going to cost up to £80,000 to install the tech following a spate of damage which includes windows being smashed. Six cameras will be put on the building itself and neighbouring properties and could be running by as early as this summer. Now, Dreamland in Margate has been named today as one of the most Insta-worthy days out in the UK. The amusement park is 20th on a list by train operator Grand Central based on Facebook check-ins and Instagram hashtags. Tower Bridge, the Natural History Museum and the Shard took the top three spots 
Scots, followed by Stonehenge and Brighton Pier. And make sure you look out for a strawberry moon in the skies above Kent tonight. It appears every June, but this time it's the first so-called supermoon of the year. The name's not based on the colour, but the time of year, when ancient tribes would use it as an indicator that wild berries were ripe for picking. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. And don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site to do it. You need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.